Good morning, church. This reading this morning is from Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 18 to 26. So I say, my splendor is gone, and all that I had hoped for the, from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. It is still Christmas. We're on the seventh day of Christmas. And so that means you all owe me more gifts. Just kidding. The, the traditional gift on the seventh day of Christmas is a rack of smoked ribs. And only Jason got that right. So he, he came bearing gifts of smoked ribs this morning. And so now Jason is my favorite of all of you this morning. I'm sorry. Uh, he brought me ribs and you know, that was the key to my heart this morning. Joking aside, the Sunday after Christmas can be like this, this weird sort of Sunday. We've done the, the crescendo up through Advent to Jesus' arrival on Christmas morning, and we're kind of left with this, this Sunday after Christmas of like, okay, what do we do? We've had all the pomp and circumstance. We've had the excitement. We've torn open the gifts and then had the crying and the screaming right afterwards. We've done all of that. So what do we do on the Sunday after uh, Christmas morning? Well, if you're like me, it's probably this time where you're just like, you're a little bit introspective, you're thinking through things, you're, you're looking ahead to the new year, you're examining the year that you've just come through. And so if you're like me, that's kind of what we're going to lean into. So if you're not like me, I'm sorry, uh, but we're going to talk about some of that introspection and that looking back and looking ahead, kind of like we did through Advent, but more so in our personal lives this morning. Uh, it's natural to reflect it's natural to reset, and I think God gave us seasons for a reason. That there's a reason that we go through uh, winter that leads to spring, and then this beauty of two weeks of summer in the North Country before we get to, okay, it's a little bit longer than that, but you guys, you guys get it. We go to fall, and then we go back to winter, and it gives us these, these times where things are going, and they're hustling, and they're bustling, and we have lots of activity, and then we have these slow seasons as well. And I think God gave us those seasons for a reason. Uh, the typical approach to a, a new year for me is, is something like this. I, I want to look at what went well, what didn't go well, and ultimately create a plan for the next year. And I think that can be well and good for us. And maybe you guys do something similar, what went well, what didn't go well, and then trying to create that plan for the new year. But I think something that can be missing and what is sometimes difficult for us is not doing that through the lens of Jesus. Right? We have these, these seasons of introspection and we can look back and we can look ahead and we can make plans, but we have to be very careful to make sure that we're doing that through the lens of Jesus. Our whole lives, not just the, the high points, not just Sundays, our whole lives should be lived through the framework of who Jesus is and who we are in him. And so that goes for our introspection as well. It goes for our plans as well. 
our goal in life should be nothing short of fully knowing Christ. Should be nothing short of that. That should be our goal every day, every year, to fully know Christ and to have him do whatever he wants with us. Every single day, every single year, that should be our plan. But oftentimes, it's not, right? Oftentimes, we, we try to do something else. And I'll fully admit that this goal that we're talking about is a high goal. And it's not one of those smart goals where it's like easily uh, simple or, or measurable or even uh, attainable in some senses. It's this high and lofty goal. And I think if we were to look at our past year and we were to evaluate our past year based off of that goal of fully knowing Christ and allowing him to have his way within us, well, I think all of us would fall short. All of us would be like, ah, I didn't quite do that thing. And so if that's you this morning, welcome. Because it's all of us. That's where, where we all are. We're, we're a church full of imperfect people, people who haven't arrived yet. This is not a place where everyone's perfect and has their lives together. If you're looking for that church, let me know when you find it. This is the place where we're still figuring this out. And so if you're not, if you're not perfect, welcome to the club. But we do need to figure out how we move forward, right? Do we just like sit in that hopelessness of despair and be like, ah, I'm never going to get it right. I'm just a filthy, dirty, rotten sinner, and that's my lot in life. No, I think there's, there's something that Jesus can do. If we'll allow him to, to be our center, if we'll get to that, that place where we look at life through the lens of Jesus and not through the, the lens of ourself, we'll see our priorities and our principles and our practices truly transform. Not because we're trying to transform those things, but because we've rooted our life where it truly matters in the person and work of Jesus. And I think our, our passage that we're looking at today ultimately gives us a framework for that. And so let's take a moment to pray before we dive into it. Father, we thank you for seasons. And we thank you that this is the last day of the year. And it's a time where we get to be a little introspective. We get to, to think about how the year went. We get to think about how we want the next year to go. And we are, are so thankful that you are there with us in the good times and the bad, when things are going right and when things are going very wrong. And we praise you that you are a God of mercy, a God of grace, a God of compassion. God, help to, to lead us to the life that you have for us. Not the life that, that we want, not life the way that we picture it, but life that you have for us, life that is truly life. God, we surrender everything else, as we open up your word, we ask for you, by your Holy Spirit, to make it come alive to us. We praise you. It's in Christ's name. Amen. And so what we're going to do is we're going to break down our passage today into kind of three sections. And we're going to look at verses 18 through 20 of Lamentations 3 first. And I'm going to read it again for us. It says, So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. So this is a great follow-up to the songs of Christmas, where we were like on those high notes, and now we're just like bitterness, despair, angst, right? 
Okay, so Jeremiah is the one who is writing this. And Jeremiah, his nickname is the Weeping Prophet. It's not the nickname that I want in my life, but I am known to do an ugly cry every once in a while. And so I can identify with Jeremiah somewhat. And so uh, in this passage, Jeremiah is lamenting. It's right there in the name, Lamentations. And he's gone through this great difficulty. And let me tell you about the time frame that this, this book of the Bible is coming about. So Jeremiah is writing this as Israel is in exile. The temple has been destroyed. And if you look at those first few chapters of Lamentations, Jeremiah is just lamenting over everything that has happened. And then when he gets to this particular part in chapter 3, the, the tone sort of changes a little bit, and he begins to look at it personally. He thinks about all that this has been difficult for him, all the, the experiencing of God's wrath, all the difficulty that he's experienced personally. And that's what he begins to talk about in this moment. And, and this book of Lamentations, it, it is beautiful poetically. Um, if you were to look at it in Hebrew, it's an acrostic for the, for the first uh, five triplets of it. And then it just kind of sort of goes away, just like Jeremiah's life went astray. And it's just this beautifully structured poem, uh, poetically, but it's even more beautiful theologically. And we're going to talk about that uh, this morning. And let's look at, at how Jeremiah is talking about, what, what he's talking about. Sorry, guys, I am uh, not speaking well this morning. Still getting over sickness. Jeremiah, he feels the pain personally of not having pleased the Lord, right? He feels what it's like to not have done all that he was supposed to do. He, he mentions that his splendor is gone. Like he may have been at the top of the world at one point, but in this moment, he's like, my splendor is gone. And even everything that I had hoped for is also gone. Now that, that is a low point, right? Like, I, I don't know if you've been to, to that point, but that's a difficult place to say, God, even all that I've hoped for, all that I wished for, it's gone, and now I'm in this place of despair. This is a place of great difficulty. It's a place where, where Jeremiah wanted to see things happen differently. Maybe he had that, that New Year's plan a year ago, and he wanted this year to turn out differently. But in this moment, he's looking at it, and he's just, he's full of angst, and he's full of difficulty. Things have not gone right. They haven't gone right, not only for himself, but for all of Israel. It didn't go according to plan. And I want to let you in on a little secret. Things rarely go according to plan. It's normal to be in this place where you're just like, God, everything has gone wrong. Like, we should experience that regularly. God, I made these plans. I had these great hopes. I wanted life to look differently, but alas, it doesn't. You and I, what we need to do is we need to be authentic. We need to be authentic in the pain of not doing the things that we hope to do, right? We need to remember our affliction. We need to remember our wandering as Jeremiah does in verse 19. There should be this kind of sort of uneasiness that comes along with that. Knowing that we, we haven't lived life the way that God intended for us to live life. There should be this pain and this heartache within us. It's, it's Paul in Romans 7, right? Calling himself wretched. It's him saying, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I want to do. And I read it this week so that I actually get it right. 
It's him doing that over and over and over again. There should be this sort of godly sorrow that leads us like Paul to, to say, who will rescue me from this? Who will make this difference in my life? I keep getting to this place where I want to do this thing. I want to be close to the Lord. I have these great intentions, but yet I still end up in this place where my life doesn't look like the way it should look like. It doesn't look like the way that I expected it to look like. There's another portion to that that verse I just read in Romans 7. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our life doesn't look the way that we want it to. Our plans never go exactly the way we want. We're constantly in this place of just wishing things had gone differently. And we can be like, God, how is this ever going to get better? Is there a way out? And God meets us in that moment and says, yes. Yes. Focus in on my son. Focus in on the grace and the mercy that he has. Let's keep reading verse 21 through 24. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. See, we need to reflect on our failures. We should be in that, that place of difficulty and wanting to please God and not getting there. But that place should always lead us to remember who our God is. To remember that that feeling that we're feeling isn't the final word. That our God is a God of mercy, a God of grace, a God of kindness. You and I, we're always going to fail to meet the mark. And maybe that's helpful for you, or maybe that's a realization for you right now. We're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be able to live these lives on our own that are fully pleasing to God. All of our striving, no matter how steadfast we are, we're never going to be righteous in our own sight. We're never going to be able to change that in our own power. And yet, all of our failures— Every single one of them are met with a God who is loving and compassionate and full of mercy. So yes, we are dirty, rotten sinners, but we have a God who is compassionate and gracious and full of love, and he meets us in our sin. He meets us there in redemption. This is the reason that we have hope because God's mercy is always new. No matter how many times we fail, no matter how many times we go astray, we have hope because it's not reliant upon us. It's reliant upon Jesus. His mercy is new every day. God has designed a way of salvation and sanctification that centers on Jesus' efforts and not our own. That is how God designed your salvation and sanctification. It's rooted in who Jesus is, what he's done, and not in who you are and what you've done. And that should cause us to say, thank God. Because we are going to fail. We're going to miss it. But it's not dependent upon us. In Christ, we're forgiven for our sin. We're forgiven for all those times we've gone astray. 
where all those times we failed to hit the mark were forgiven in Christ. Forgiven. Forgiven. It's gone. It's washed away. It's no longer there. And maybe you're here and you're a Christian, but maybe you don't feel like you're forgiven. And I think that's a common phenomena where we kind of know what, we're suppo- what Jesus has done for us, but I don't feel it. I don't, I don't sense anything has changed. I still live with the guilt and the shame of the things that I've done. I don't feel God's forgiveness. Well, listen to me, friends. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a fact. It's true whether you feel it or not. If you are in Christ, your sin has been washed away. And there are going to be days where the devil's going to whisper in your ear, are you really? And that's the moment where you have to cling to the cross of Jesus, saying, I am in Christ, and so therefore all of that is washed away. God no longer sees me through my sin, but he sees me through his Son. Jesus took your place. He bore your penalty for your sin. And when you put your faith in Jesus, God no longer sees you through the lens of what you've done. He sees you through the lens of what Jesus has done. He no longer sees all of those bad things, all those things you wish you could change. He sees Christ in you. He sees God's righteousness and not your own. I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves of this. He forgives me, and he won't hold it against me. We have to do this with our daughter a lot. I forgive you, and I won't hold it against you. And I think we need to remind ourselves of that. He forgives me, and he won't hold it against me. We're our worst enemy when it comes to understanding the salvation that our God has to offer. Because even though we claim that it's all on Jesus, we still look at it through the lens of what we've done. God has done the work. God has taken our place. God has paid for our sin. God has bought our redemption. God has made us new. It's not about what we've done. It's about what he has done. It's not a feeling, it's a fact. And we need to know this forgiveness, especially in these times of introspection, especially in these times where we're thinking of all the things that we've done wrong, especially when we're lamenting over what could be. We need to know that even though I failed, God is still faithful. God's faithfulness is far superior to our unfaithfulness. No matter how unfaithful we are, God is far more faithful than any of our unfaithfulness. And praise God that we have Scripture like we're reading today to help us see that. This is something that we can cling to, something that we can grasp a hold of. We need to remember the moment that Jeremiah is writing this in Lamentations 3. The temple is destroyed. Destroyed. It's gone. This, this place of worship has been wiped out. The people of Israel are no longer in the promised land. They're, they're taken away as exiles. And even in that moment where everything looks hopeless, where everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, even in that moment, Jeremiah is like, his mercy is new every day. He's a loving God. He's a compassionate God. 
Even on those darkest days, we can rest in knowing that God is a merciful God, that he's a loving God, that he's a compassionate God. We can rest in knowing that whatever we're observing right now is not the true story of the world. The true story of the world is found in the redemption that Jesus has to offer. What Jeremiah knows in this passage, he knows that the portion that he currently has isn't the one that is ultimately coming. His portion is in the Lord. Jeremiah knows that the Lord is the strong one that he is the one who will accomplish salvation, that he is the one who will come and make this impossible situation go away. Because he is merciful, he is gracious, he is compassionate. He never leaves us, he never forsakes us. And I love that we have this scripture because this is that moment where you just expect God to be like, I'm done, I'm done. You guys have failed, and I've put you in exile, and you still don't get it. And yet, that's not what we have in the Scripture. What we have is God is merciful and compassionate, and that his salvation will be accomplished. What Jeremiah knows is that the God who saved his people out of Egypt will save his people out of exile. The God who has made you new in the past will continue to make you new. The God who forgave you at the moment of salvation forgives you every single day of your life. Every mistake that you make. We want this path in the Christian life to just be like this graph that goes up and to the right. Or up and to the right for for you guys. That's what we want it to look like. And as I've, I've said before, it looks more like this and more like that and then kind of up and then down a little bit and then it goes backwards somehow and then it gets flipped inverted. And then finally, through the Lord's mercy and grace and the power of the Spirit working in us, we begin to experience that transformed life. Again, it's rooted in Jesus and not us. Something that we need to understand, especially in this time where we're always like, this year is going to be different. The thing that we need to understand is that we cannot will ourselves into a transformed life. Like just think about however many years you've lived on the earth and have you ever been able to do it? This year will not be different. And some of you are like, don't say that. It won't be different if it's based on your efforts. It won't be different if it's based on your willpower. The only way to experience that life that you want, that year that you want, is to throw all of that out and to focus instead on Jesus. To allow him to transform you. It's only possible by the Spirit of God at work within us. Even once we've experienced the salvation that God has to offer, even when we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, when we've experienced his mercy and his grace, we're still going to fail to live life as we should. It would be great if the Christian life, just like you get saved and then everything is perfect. It doesn't happen that way. We're still going to have difficulty. We're still going to have failure. Our sins are still going to be many. But guess what? Mercy is more. 
Mercy is new every day. And God will give us victory. He will give us victory. He will accomplish it. That is our our portion. It's what we can rest in. It's what we can hang our hat on. Now, that doesn't mean that we sit around like bumps on a lump. We don't put any effort into sanctification. But rather, we try differently. We try based on God's mercy, God's grace, God's empowerment, not our own willpower. Instead of focusing on us, we instead focus on God. We turn to focus on him and not our own failure. I like how Thomas Akempis puts it. He writes it this way. He says, every day we should renew our resolve to live a holy life. And every day we should kindle ourselves to a burning love, just as if today were the first day of our new life in Christ. I don't know about you guys, but that, that first day of true new life in Christ, for me, like that was burning fire. I'm like, let's go! Like as the kids say. Or as Sarah says. Like I was ready to take on the devil with a little squirt gun. Like I was ready to go. And it was in that moment, that, that first new day, where I'm just like, ah, I've experienced grace. I've experienced peace. I've experienced forgiveness. And the further we get from that day, we often forget what it was like that day. But the beauty of God, the beauty of salvation is every day is like that first day. Because God's mercy is new every morning. And so that means that as our life progresses, we don't have to become curmudgeonly. Instead, we can live every day as if, as if it's the first day. That moment where God looked upon us and says, I love you. It doesn't matter what you do. I will always love you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's what every day of our lives can look like. But often we try to perform ourselves into being loved and accepted by God. And because of that, we're always going to feel like we're not loved and we're not accepted. When, when we think that if I can do the right things, then God will love me and accept me, we've missed the whole idea and concept of grace. It's not about your effort. It's backwards thinking. If you are in Christ, if you have put your faith in Jesus, you are loved and accepted by God. You are loved and accepted by God. And you can wake up every single day with that mindset. I am loved and accepted by God. Yes, I failed yesterday, but right now I am loved and accepted by God. Because he doesn't see me through my sin. He sees me through Jesus. And when we have that sort of understanding, we have that place as our resting point, you can then resolve to live a holy life by the power of the Spirit. Knowing that, yes, I'm going to fail, but praise God, his mercy is new. Praise God, even though I fail a thousand times, his mercy is there a thousand and one times. You will still fail. But you'll know that even when you do, 
you're still accepted and loved by God. And that's what changes things. When that mental shift happens, we daily have this mindset of being able to kind of do that up and to the right thing. Because we don't have to worry about if yesterday was like this. We can then just focus on knowing I'm loved, I'm accepted by God, I stand before him as though I stood the first day of my salvation. And therefore, today is the day where things change. Today is the day where I can live for him. Because God's mercy is new every day, and every day that we wake up is a new opportunity to allow God to mold us and shape us into conformity with the image of Christ. Every day is the day of salvation. Every day is the day of salvation. That means we can spring up out of bed and say, I'm loved by God. And I don't do that in the morning. I'm like, oh, I need some coffee. But we can have that mindset that we are loved and cherished by God every single day. And I think if we'll have that mindset, things will go differently for us. Christ's sacrifice is big enough for every failure in your life. The ones from yesterday, the ones from today, the ones for tomorrow, and ever present into the future. Christ's sacrifice is big enough for that. I hope that that's a a sweet balm to your soul. Let's read these last two verses in Lamentations 3 in our passage that we're reading. Verse 25 and 26. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, I know I speak of the good life quite a bit, but I just need you to to humor me once more. See, often we chase after validation by our achievements, by our accomplishment, thinking if I can do X, then I will finally be accepted, whatever that is for you. We try to secure the good life based off of our efforts. And when we do that, it always leaves us discouraged, disappointed, and ultimately disillusioned. We can never get there on our own. But here's some really good news about the good life. The good life isn't something we achieve based on our own effort. It's not something that's out there that we can attain to. It's something that we receive through grace. The good life is found in Jesus. It's found in him alone. You won't find it in money. You won't find it in power. You won't find it in intimacy. You won't find it anywhere else but in Christ. That's where the good life is. And I love what verse 25 says, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. Now, does that mean your life is going to be great and without trial and tribulation? No. But it will be good. Because you'll know that God is always with you, that he's always beside you, and that whatever you face, you'll know that God is with you. 
Whatever difficulty, whatever challenge, you'll know that I have a God who loves me and adores me and fights for me. I have a God who will accomplish my salvation. I have a God who will come again to make all things new, even if it doesn't look like it right now. I have a God who changes everything, and I can rest in him. The good life is given to those whose hope is in Christ alone. To those who seek him instead of themselves. So as we look to this new year, don't resolve to find self-fulfillment. It won't come when you achieve that goal. You're always going to be yearning and longing for something else. Instead, this year, resolve to find fulfillment in Christ. Resolve to put your hope in him alone. In the one whose mercy is new every day. Put your hope in Christ. Put your trust in his love and his mercy. Verse 26 gives us the reminder that it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I love that word, quietly. The world is always going to have us do this thing that looks different than what God would have us do. And yet God says, it's good to live life differently. Don't worry about the hustle and the bustle. Don't worry about the clinging and the noise that you hear over there about what life should be. Wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Put your hope in him. It's good to live life differently. It's good to live life through the lens of Jesus' salvation. And I hope that this year would be the one where we say like Paul, I seek to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. I don't want anything else. I just want to know Christ and him crucified because Jesus, not me, not my effort, Jesus is the victorious one. He is the one who saves us. He is the one who sanctifies us. And he is the one who will come again to make all things right. I pray that we'll receive that that will rest in that. And I think as we do, we'll see God transform us more and more. We'll see our priorities, our principles, and our practices forever changed. Not because we're, we're seeking to change them, but because we're seeking to behold Jesus, the one who loves us and gave his life for us. Let's stand together and pray. we are so thankful that your mercy is new every day. And I'm thankful that your mercy is new every moment of every day. You've poured out your love upon us. You've come for us in the person of Jesus. You've made a way of salvation that's not based on our effort, but it's based on your effort. You've redeemed us. You've bought us with a high price. That help us to rest in you. Help us to remember every day that we're forgiven. You forgive us 
our sins and you will not hold them against us. Give us freedom from that. And help us to know you. It helped this new year to be a year where we're not focused on getting 1% better every day, but instead we're just focused on beholding you, the one who loves us and gave his life for us. Help us to quietly wait for our salvation that is to come, knowing that you are our portion. I praise you that we can rest in you. I praise you that we can put away our striving and put away our endless ceasing. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.